0: Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Friday, March 17th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Of the 32 games in the first round of the NCAA tournament, Kansas State's contest with Montana State is the 30th, tipping off Friday evening around 8 45 p.m. Central. That gave us enough time to break down the Wildcats on today's Sports Beat KC podcast with beat writer Kelly Robinette. K-State's one of the most unlikely tournament teams based on preseason projections. They were picked to finish last in the Big 12. But in Jerome Tang's first season, K-State came in third in the league and is a number three seed taking on Montana State in the NCAA opener in Greensboro, North Carolina. We discuss how it came together, including the role of the team's two returning players, Marquise Noel and Ishmael Massoud, in shaping this year's roster also we look ahead at a possible kansas state kentucky second round game if those teams win on friday we're not trying to jinx anything but how much fun would that be another wildcat on wildcat battle six years after k-state beat kentucky in the sweet 16. okay let's get started kelis i may be wrong correct me if i am wrong but i believe this is the first time you and i have had a conversation at the courtyard by marriott in burlington north carolina (laughs)
1: um i think i would remember it if we did it previously uh and what a thrill it is that we're coming to you live on such a great location
0: it is and we're actually outdoors so you might hear some highway noise you might hear some birds chirping kind of like the masters you know we get maybe a little masters ambiance here and um but yeah we're hard off i-40 about 20 miles from Greensboro, where Kansas State is going to take on Montana State later tonight. This is a same-day podcast, right? We, um, But I figured we could get away with recording it on Friday morning with the Wildcats playing, tipping off, scheduled at 9.40 p.m. Eastern Time, 8.40 back in, uh, in Central Time. So I'm not sure. Well, I, actually, I am. I, I know I've covered a game that tips off as late as this one does. The problem is if the game before it goes long Kentucky Providence the the um, the winner of Kentucky Providence plays Kansas State Montana State winner this one could get pushed back till 10 a.m or, or 10 p.m or so and that's just no good for anyone
1: <laughs> I don't know how people who live on the East Coast do this even staying up all night for a nine o'clock tip which they get when you know whenever like West Virginia is playing on big Monday or something the locals in Morgantown have to wait until nine o'clock uh, to watch them play it's uh It's rough. you got to have a nap in there or something, a lot of caffeine. I don't know. I've been trying to set my body clock, like they say, coming in from the West Coast uh, to deal with this. But, yeah, it's something new. I guess the only perk about this is that Kansas State has a little bit of training here because they played in the nightcap of the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament. And Montana State's coming in from the mountain time zone, so they're even at a uh, more bizarre time setting. For sure. Um, Now, there was nobody – in the on the team
0: or on the coaching staff who was here the last time Kansas State played uh, opened the NCAA tournament in North Carolina, but it was good news for the Wildcats back in 2018, was it not?
1: Uh, that that was a great experience for Kansas State. They beat Creighton in just uh, eight nine game. Yeah, eight nine game smacked them pretty good, even without Dean Wade. That was the first time anybody really had heard of Mike McGirl. Um, yeah. Little did we know we'd be watching him for like the next five years. Um, That's and right, all the way <laughs> up until last season, uh, yeah. Um, then uh, the shocker of all shockers, UMBC upsets Virginia. Um, still the craziest locker room I've ever been to. After any game that place that place was lit. Those players were over the moon about what they would just done. Um, and yeah, and then Kansas State takes advantage, gets to the Sweet 16. That's probably the happiest I'd seen Bruce Weber throughout his entire time there was after they got to the Sweet 16. So. Um, yeah, you know, maybe there's some good vibes there, different city, but uh, same state, Kansas State, a little more is expected of Kansas State this time. They're the three seed instead of the nine, uh, eight-point favorites tonight against Montana State, and I think they're about a 40, 45% chance to get out of this pod move on to the Sweet 16, according to most analytical sites, and I imagine that is much, much higher than they were coming in the last time they were out
0: of And it would be higher than any other team in the pod, which includes Kentucky, and Providence, uh, that's a is that a 611 I think 611 game uh, that uh, that they're playing that's uh, feeding into the K State Montana State winner. The other thing I remember about that that path back in 2018 is Kentucky was in the Wildcats, the K State Wildcats way in that uh, that regional, but it was a
1: Sweet 16 game then. I know Kansas State and Kentucky have just been on the, these <laughs> wild, weird convergences of. Wildcat supremacy in the NCAA tournament lately. If it happens, um, I don't want to write off Providence here, but if it happens and we get Kansas State, Kentucky in the next round, it'll be the third time in the last decade that we've seen K-State and Kentucky play in the NCAA tournament. It happened in St. Louis that year when Kentucky got fire and made it to their uh, national the final, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, beat Wichita State the next round, so they were just wiping out all the Kansas teams that season. <laughs> um, then K-State got some revenge the last time uh, – um, they made it to the Sweet 16, that was in Atlanta. Atlanta, right. Or Catlanta, as they like to say at the time. <laughs> right. um, Kansas State beat Kentucky in an absolute thriller with Barry Brown, making some really key shots down the stretch. And now I guess we get the rubber match between John Calipari and Bruce. Rubber won't be around for this one. It'll be uh, the first time we see Calipari versus Jerome Tang. Again, if it happens. But, you know what? I uh, There are much worse matchups to see repeatedly in the NCAA tournament. I, I can dig it.
0: No, it'd be, it actually would be a lot of fun, and it would be one of the, I think, more uh, highly anticipated games of the second round. Uh, everybody in the country, K- Kentucky has this incredible fan base. Everybody's curious about the, those Wildcats. And Jerome Tang and these Wildcats have become such a good story this year. The question is, I, listen, I, I, I think we agree that um, – they can get past the montana state bobcats the 14 seed in the first round uh and it's a matter of can they you know would they be able to stand up to kentucky even though it's a uh, kentucky's got the the lower seed or the worst seed in in that matchup let's talk about tonight's game um what is it about where can montana state hurt
1: k-state well, <clears throat> a few ways. Um, if you're looking at this from just a purely on-paper matchup standpoint, I think there are actually some reasons you would like the Bobcats here. They're pretty good at turning you over. They rank top 75 in the nation at doing that, and that's something that Kansas State has struggled mightily with lately. Um, against, in their last two losses against West Virginia and TCU, they turn it over 20 times apiece, lose both games by pretty much 10 points. Not really close. Um, and that's been Kansas State's problem all season. When they turn the ball over 19-plus times, they're 1-5. When they limit their turnovers, their record is much, much better. Montana State is a team that can turn you over. So right there, that's something you got to be a little bit concerned about. They also get to the free throw rate at a very, very high rate, top five nationally. They love to go uh, run their offense through the post. They love to create fouls. Um, and once they get to the free throw line, they make their shots. They're shooting almost 80% from the line. So if you're playing Montana State, what does that tell you? You can't turn the ball over, and you can't get them to get to the free throw line uh, all day long. Um, the other things I would say is they do have Raquan Battle, uh, who's a transfer from Washington, who averages almost 18 points a game. He's a really good player, and they also have some tall – agile defenders who could potentially give Kansas State some problems on the wing when we have seen Marquise Noel struggle going at the at the rim it's because we, he's playing team against teams like Kansas um, that put like Grady Dick or Kevin McCullough on him, and that size advantage comes into play um, so right there that shows you that there are a few ways you could see Montana State keeping this close or even potentially pulling off an upset and I think some people have caught wind of that. The line on this game opened at about ten. I look today; it's down to seven and a half. So there are people who are backing Montana State here. For me personally, I'm going the other way. I think Kansas State wins. I think they cover just because they've got such an athlete advantage here.
0: They do. There's no doubt. Um, Big Sky has not had much success in the NCAA tournament recently. I think they've lost seven. Their teams have lost 17 straight
1: in the NCAA. The last time I think they won. Montana beat Utah in about 2005-ish, something okay. like that. So that would line yeah, up. Yeah, line up with the the, the time Go, going back before right. that. Weber State had a really crazy upset against North, North Carolina. Carolina. That was a 314. By right. the right? But we're talking, you know, every 20 years this happens. Yeah. The the Big Sky puts a team up there, and in Montana State. Hey, no, no disrespect to them. Um, I used to work in Big Sky Country. Yes, you I did. admire the league. Um, great place, Bozeman. I would love it uh, if Kansas State would schedule a game there. That's a great trip. Um, but when you look, just look at what they've done against power, every time they've tested themselves against power teams lately, it's just gone horribly wrong. They played Texas Tech in this tournament last year, lost by 35. Played Oregon this year, lost by 30. Played Arizona this year, lost by 22. It, they just haven't even been close. So to just magically close that gap you know, from 2030 to right there in the game, I don't see it happening. I've been wrong before. I didn't see Princeton beating Arizona yesterday, or Fur- Furman yeah, beating Virginia. I, I mean, yeah. I, I actually did have Furman beating wow. uh, Virginia. So back off, Blair. Well that's, done. That that can happen. But Princeton, <laughs> I did not see that. Not in a million years did I see Princeton beating Arizona. Um, but still, that that's just kind of the way I'm I, I'm seeing things here. I, I think Kansas State has their way. One thing
0: uh, Montana State doesn't do well is shoot the three and. Sometimes you you want to say that for a, a, an upset in the NCAA tournament to happen, the underdog has to do something extremely well um, that, uh, that that's you know unexpected and sort of outside of their identity. To me, that would be going you know ten for seventeen on three
1: pointers. But I'm not sure Montana State is capable of doing that. <laughs> well, if, if Montana State hits 10 threes, then this the K State is in trouble. Okay. <laughs> Um, but but you're—I mean—but that's what happened against, against TCU last game, right? They're the worst shooting team in the conference. Yep. They make 11 threes. I mean, what, what are you going to do? You, you're not going to beat TCU when they make 11 threes. Kind of the same story with Montana State, but you're exactly right. They, they don't like to shoot threes. They don't do it well. It's a strength for Kansas State. I'm sure their coaching staff has seen this. They probably, when they saw that, just were probably thinking, oh, good, you know. They defend the three. We don't shoot the three. That's fine. They can defend the three-point line all they want. We'll just try to score twos. Um, so I don't see them trying to bomb away here. But if they do make, you know, if they get in desperation mode, and make some fluky threes, then that would be a recipe for an upset, definitely. For sure. You know, one of the um, one of the things
0: I really like about covering the NCAA tournament is uh, the access that we get to coaches and players. There's, there's a lot of it, and it's more – often more than you get during the regular season when it, with some programs. So, And the other thing is uh, reporters from the, the, the schools that cover the other teams here get to talk to. So maybe there's a different sense of the questioning or you get different answers. It's just, uh, it, it just opens it up a little bit. And I really enjoyed spending time in the Kansas State locker room yesterday and hearing Jerome Tang on stage um, at the um, you know at the press conference, so I'm wondering for a guy who's covered Kansas State um, all season long, every single game, every you know just every media opportunity. Did you hear or learn anything yesterday that
1: um, that surprised you or that maybe you didn't know? I mean nothing like <clears throat> earth shattering. I will say one thing I did do was um, with the open locker room yesterday. We were able to go around and talk to some players who haven't necessarily contributed at the highest of levels this right. season but are still you know valuable pieces to the team and whatnot and two guys I wanted to talk to were actually guys who are redshirting this year Jarrell Colbert an LSU transfer who the one time we saw him play this year was in an exhibition game against Washburn where he had like five blocks in five minutes and people were heartbroken the next the next week when we found out he was redshirting, it was like what you're redshirting this guy <laughs> um I talked to him And I talked to Taj Manning, another freshman redshirt forward who's been helping with the scout team all season. And it was uh, interesting to hear what those guys had to say. Jarrell Colbert told me he thought he's improved so much that he thinks he could make a run at Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year next season. Oh, I love that. Next season, so there's some confidence right there. (laughs) I love that. Um, And he said, you know, he didn't intend to redshirt the season, but he just... Once he started playing with these guys, he realized he, he wasn't ready for the Big 12 just then. He thinks he is now with the year of development. So he, I'm excited to see what he can do next year. And then uh, Taj Manning as well. Jerome Tang has talked him up at every single opportunity this season. Kind of the same deal, um, you know, not his dream to redshirt, but it's helped him a lot. And he said he's learned a, oh, a great deal going up against the team, the starters he, he does every day. And if you're looking ahead, you know, to next season, no matter what happens here. I think that uh, drum tank redshirting those guys is going to make Kansas State's front court next year much more versatile and much just heftier than what we've seen this season.
0: Baylor did a lot of that.
1: A that lot of Scott that. Drew. Yes. Yeah,
0: that was a that that's a Baylor Scott Drew thing uh, persuading players who, who know they can play and who who could play uh, to to take a redshirt year, and it has worked out wonderfully for Baylor over the last decade or so, and that's. Um, and Kansas State appears to be starting down that path as well. So okay, let's uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to ask Kellis about um, about how Kansas State's uh, uh, re- recruiting prowess expanded uh, this past year with the help of a couple of players. Go to kansascity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. All right, we are back on Beat KC talking Kansas State and the NCAA tournament with Callis Robinette from the from the courtyard area of the courtyard hotel i guess that's why they call it the courtyard because they have courtyards here and again you probably hear the traffic and the birds uh we are
1: between them actually birds to one side and interstate 40 to
0: the other so. i'll tell you what we
1: should have done if you wanted to be really quiet because there's an empty pool right next to us we could have gone down into that sucker and recorded a podcast from an empty swimming pool now that yeah. I know would have been a first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so one of the one of the national stories that's uh, being written this week. You wrote it uh, yesterday. Uh, is how this Kansas State roster came together, almost in an impossible fashion. Jerome Tang gets here, and everybody's. You know, they, they had players leave, players transferred, just the roster was down to the studs right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, and i know just a few weeks after taking the job i was wondering what in the, how in the world is kansas state going to get a, a full roster and without even knowing what was going to happen i'm thinking well there's your when you're starting to pick the the, the big 12 order of finish you start at the bottom with k state and then work your way up so here they are pick 10th in the big 12 Third, they finished third in, in the regular season, third seed in the Big 12 tournament, third seed in the NCAA tournament, and a lot of it, a lot of the credit, obviously the coaching staff did an incredible job, and Jerome Tang was Big 12 coach of the year. But the two returning players had a big role in,
1: uh, in helping shape this roster. They really did. Um, at the very start of uh, Jerome Tang's tenure, like you said, Uh, Not many players chose to stay, or perhaps more accurately, were invited to stay. Um, It was just Ishmael Massoud and Marquise Noel, so they went from 13 scholarship guys down to two. In a perfect world, I think they probably would have liked to stay at perhaps four or five. They obviously would have loved to have kept Nigel Pack. Um, I think Selton Miguel, if he wanted to stay, I think they could have found room for him. He was a good player. And maybe Davion Bradford, even though in hindsight... His lumbering body probably doesn't fit this style. He's a seven footer though. If he said I really want to play, I think they would have found room for him. But otherwise, you know, I think they were fine with everybody else leaving. So anyways, they come back with just two. Not an ideal situation. I remember when you and I were at the Kansas City Catbackers event last uh was it May or June? June, I think early June I think. June. They said so few people on the roster that when Jerome Tang got up and talked in front of everybody, his promise was that they would that they would have at least eight scholarship players. At least. So
0: <laughs> the- <Woo! laughs>
1: Yes, exactly. Um, at the time. Not the greatest um, endorsement of their you know, the state of the roster at the time, but they pulled it together and one of the main reasons for that was that they were able to bring in all these guys out of nowhere was that people like Marquise Noel. Mostly, I would say Marquise Noel, but also Ishma And were are so willing to help recruit. They put, basically, for a month or two, put their own you know, games to the side and were basically extra assistant coaches, worked the phones themselves, hosted guys, got on social media, found players that they thought could help. Hey, why don't you consider Kansas State? And really, they were extra recruiters for, for the Wildcats. Um, they went on all the, all the recruiting meals, uh, Marquise Noel told me he took you know his go-to spot for uh, his go-to eating spot in town for recruiting players was Varsity Donuts. Um, that seemed to work really well. Uh, Works for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, big donut team, big donut town. Um, but yeah, he said it actually got really fun. He said uh, Marquise told me that the, you know he, he got the same kind of thrill of hitting a game-winning shot that he did when a player would say, "Hey, I want to come and com- commit to you," which is rare for a player. You normally, only get that from the coaches. Um, but I think that shows the kind of buy-in and the team camaraderie that you have seen here because everybody helped build build it together and I think without that it would have been hard for this group to win as many games as they did I think it's a great story it, it really is
0: and I it's the first time it makes sense that you know that it would happen that way I just hadn't heard it at another school I hadn't heard that story with another school I, I loved hearing it and got you know you, you, I know, uh, Noel talked about it on the on, on the at the podium yesterday, and we got to talk to Massoud about it in the locker room, and um, they were they, the big smiles on their faces. They were they were talking about this, so uh, I, I recommend everybody reading a story about it. I, I, it turned out really well, so um, uh, g- good on the Wildcats, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm assuming going forward, you know, the players will and, and as as they do at every school, will have some influence on on the recruiting but not to the extent
1: it happened in Jerome Tank's first year at Kansas State yeah I think next year we'll see guys hosting players <laughs> excited to welcome players to campus but it won't be um I, I don't think we're gonna see say uh Quan Tomlin next season at the end of every practice day spending three hours looking for new players and fortunately <laughs> they've recruited a lot already they've got some uh some four-star recruits yeah. coming in um and I'm sure they're going to have to hit the transfer portal to some extent here, but the word is out on Kansas State. It's not like last season where there are all these questions. There hasn't been success. The coaching staff is in place. They're coming off a great season. It should be a much easier sell this time around. No doubt,
0: no doubt. Okay, so I don't know if you filled out a bracket. Um, I did not. I usually don't. You know, I'll, I'll really. I, I'll identify some upset picks and and for the paper, I uh, the day that the bracket is selected, I do a final four. Regional champions and what the regional final matchup is, and how do you not fill out a bracket? I, I, I used to. I will tell you what, I used to do it for the for the uh, for the star, but then I started to feel kind of guilty when I had a, some bad years and people were getting in touch with me uh, at the star about <laughs> I followed your bracket and I was out after the first day, and i, I was starting to feel guilty about that. I didn't want to. Um, uh, I didn't want to cost people money on the bracket. <laughs> Um, I think it's it's impossibly hard to do uh, to to be successful. Someone has to win, right? Any kind of bracket pool, but it's so difficult that I saw this on on uh, Sports ESPN Sports Center this morning that they had more than twenty million people uh, submit brackets to their bracket challenge or whatever they call it. And after the first day, after Thursday, six hundred and fifty eight <laughs> were alive. So six hundred and fifty eight out of more than twenty million. And you really just had the two major upsets, right? Uh, uh, Furman and and Princeton, but that is just how nuts the tournament is. It's kind of why we love it uh, that you know anything can happen. The way Furman won with the steal and the three pointer in the last you know couple of seconds, and then Princeton, you know, coming back. Arizona didn't have a point in the final five minutes of their game. It's uh, it's it's. Wonderful drama. There's nothing else like it in sports. I think. The, I think the first two days of the NCAA
1: tournament are two of the best days in sports during the, uh, all year. So, and then then also we had Texas a and Corpus Christi hit a meaningless three at the buzzer to cover the spread against Alabama, and <laughs> you, San Diego State and San Diego State hit a worthless layup to cover against Charleston yesterday. Two great moments uh, for gamblers as well. You, you were paying more attention to the end. <laughs> The end of the Corpus Christi, Alabama game than any other game yesterday because you knew what was at stake. I didn't even have money on that one, but that that just those late game situations cracked me up so much when it's uh, when it's a walk on versus walk on and neither one really cares. Well what it's was funny? And it's uh, deciding the fate of uh, uh, a ticket of millions of dollars, <laughs> you know, millions of dollars. Well, it, it's funny if you watched in the arena. A and Alabama wins that game by twenty one. If you want, if you go back and listen to the crowd when that shot goes in, is just a chorus of booze. <laughs> you knew, you know what this. I mean, the people knew what was up, especially. And you, you were onto this. The Corpus
0: Christi player looked like he was just kind of dribbling out the clock, and uh, you know, five seconds, four seconds. All right, he's going to dribble out the clock. Alabama's going to cover, and at the last second, he turns it loose and makes the three to not bust a bracket, but uh, bust somebody's bet, for sure. <laughs> so, anyway, that is the exquisite drama that is the NCAA tournament. All right, Kellis, we got to get over to Greensboro. Great catching up, and we'll do it again soon. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production staff of Randy Mason, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette for sharing his insights. Best place to follow coverage of the NCAA tournament or anything else in sports is the Morning Sports Edition. Took me a while to get through the 52 pages today, crammed full of news about March Madness, the NFL Free Agency, the World Baseball Classic, and everything else in sports. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Live edition that's one word, .kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with more editions of sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.